All right, good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. We continue our catechesis through the book of Acts. We're now in Acts chapter 27, and you think that, oh, a little bit of a uh, mariner story, right? A voyage to Rome and uh, rough seas and then a shipwreck, um, that that wouldn't be all that uh, applicable to us as Christians, but uh, you'll be surprised, I think, as we go through over the next couple of days, those readings. Uh, it is something worth mentioning. I was listening to a podcast uh, this morning on the way into church, and uh, the hosts were making uh, an assertion that I think is helpful, which is the distinction between drama and doctrine, drama or narrative. So we have a story here in the book of Acts, right? But also, what is the doctrine? And that is, what is, the, what is it teaching? What, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't discount the story. The story isn't just metaphor. It's not just there um, to serve as an example. It is a historic account. But on the other hand, it also is given to us for our learning and for, uh, namely for our faith and life. Um, so what can we learn? How is the, uh, the storyteller telling the story in such a way um, to both encourage us and support us, but also um, to show us what the life of faith is like? Um, and, and really, actually, to uh, encourage, support, and um, build up faith in Christ by, by the Holy Spirit. All right. So uh, sometimes we think of the doctrine, think of like the catechism as some kind of abstract or esoteric um, ideas. And then we have the, the stories of the Bible, the Bible stories, and that those live somehow independently of the doctrine. But I would argue, along with the host of that podcast, it was the White Horse Inn, by the way, um, that that's a false distinction. And uh, again, everything written, whether it's a historic book, or it's a liturgical book, or it's a, uh, a psalm book, uh, or it's wisdom literature, all of that is written for our learning, namely for faith in Christ and in his forgiveness. All right. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse for this week. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 16. Say it one more time. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 16. Okay, our psalm this week is Psalm 119, sections Pei and Sade. That's beginning in verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. 
Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears, because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your just decrees. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, I got a priority here. Resolve. Which is, of course... Hmm. Hot. Good. Okay. Uh, sorry, I scrolled there. Let us uh, hear our first reading today, which is continuation from Romans, now chapter 15. This is all culminating quite nicely, isn't it? Paul is going to be traveling to Rome, and here's his letter to the church in Rome. Now, I am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum I have preached fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I should, or I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he has not, was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard, they shall understand, or shall understand. All right, so Paul's talking about his unique or particular work as a preacher to the Gentiles. Um, and uh, for I dare not, will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient. But rather in many mighty signs and wonders by the Spirit uh, of God. All right, so he preaches the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, uh, fully preached. He has a couple different ways of saying to him, ministering of Jesus to the Gentiles, uh, writing boldly. Filling them, and they being then filled with all goodness, all knowledge, and admonishing one another. Right? So you see the work of 
uh, Paul the preacher outlined quite well there. Okay, and then our reading for catechesis today is a continuation of from the book of Acts, now chapter 27. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustinian or Augustine, excuse me, regiment. Big difference. <laughs> Augustine regiment. So entering a ship of Ad Adramitium, there we go, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed in at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Canidius, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmone. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lassia. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. All right, so now we know what time of year it is, don't we? Um, maybe it's worth uh, looking with more detail at the map, which you might have saw in the title frame. I'm going to try to make it super big here, if I can. Yeah, that's pretty big. All right. And let me go over here, and there, and then there. There we go. Now you can see it. All right. So um, you see where they leave. They lead from Caesarea Maritima, right? We've been in Caesarea Maritima. That's different than Caesarea along or on uh, the Sea of Galilee, right? Many cities named Caesarea. And they sailed to Sidon. You see that to the north. And then keeping hugging the coastline, you don't travel through the middle of the Mediterranean because um, you always need har uh, harbors or ports um, for respite, uh, especially with storms, since we know it's uh, late in the fall here. Traveling around Cyprus to the north all the way to Myra. That's where they changed the ship. Um, to the one going to Italy, the one with the centurion, right? And go on to Canidus, which you can see is Lycia, which is part of the region of Asia and the ten churches, or seven churches there, which you can see to the north. All right. That's the Roman province of Asia, of course. Then they go to Crete, which, which is handy out in the middle there of the Mediterranean, and Salmone to Lycia to Fair Havens. That's where Paul warns them um, that they should go on to Phoenix and just uh, winter there, but that's not what's going to happen. So we'll hear about that uh, tomorrow. All right. Good. Uh, there we go. So some questions. How would Paul get to Italy? Of course, they're go he's going to be on a boat to sail there. Uh, and notice it's with other prisoners. 
one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. All right. Uh, oh, wait a minute. That's not right. Julius is the one who's in charge. We don't have the names of the other prisoners. <laughs> um, and where did they board the ship? As we said, Caesarea near uh, Ad Ramitium, Ad Ramitium, which is we saw on the map there, Caesarea Maritima. All right. And again, sailing along the coast of Asia, as he said. Who else is with them? Hey, this is a character we've met before. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Um, what was uh, Julius's relationship to Paul on the boat? Verse 3. Yeah, he treated Paul kindly, um, leaving up, even giving Paul freedom or liberty to see, go see his friends and receive care when they landed in Sidon. Uh, why did they sail near Cyprus? What does it say? There's lots of, uh, uh, what do you want to say, literary hints here as to what's to come, right? The winds were contrary. All right, what city did they go to next? Myra, which we saw on the map, a city of Lycia. Um, that's a famous city. I don't know if you, you know the uh, gentleman from there, a bishop. Bishop Nicholas of Myra. Jolly old St. Nicholas. That guy is from Myra. All right, so now you know. Uh, what ship did they board? No, we said it was a grain ship going to Alexandria. Right? And again, what limited their progress? It says it right there in verse 7. The winds were against them. Um, this should all, this contrary wind, uh, should remind us of uh, something from the gospel according to St. Luke. Uh, so think about a story from the Gospel of Luke. I don't know if I can give you a link to the map. Uh, let me see if I have. I can give you a link to many maps uh, in a Google image search. Let's see if we can do that. Yeah, there we go. So here, this will give you many different options to consider. Because uh, there's different ways to describe these. All right, there we go. All right, so again, what story in the book of Luke might we be reminded of? How about Luke chapter 8? Yeah, 8. Now, it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. That's the Lake Gennesaret, or also Galilee, right? And they launched out, but as they sailed... He fell asleep, and a wind storm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water, and were in jeopardy. Ooh, nice word. Uh, it could be just translated as danger. Yeah. Ken Deneo. Um, and they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled and said to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Okay. Yeah, so there's a similar story. The wind's coming up in the lake, the disciples fearing for their perishing, and Jesus rebukes the wind and the wave. All right. What they do off of Canidus? says, they sailed under the shelter of Crete. Um, so you saw on the map how they were to the 
um, to the east of the island uh, so as to avoid those westerly winds. That's what that's indicating. Um, and where they arrive after passing Crete, of course, Fair Havens, nice name, near the city of Lassia. Um, that's on, that was on the southern coast, as we saw. And then it says, it says something here, interesting. All right, verse 9. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. What fast are we talking about? This is actually a time marker for you. Remember, uh, Paul was aiming to leave uh, for Jerusalem to be there for Pentecost, right? Uh, but then there was all the delays. So we lost kind of our time markers um, with the appearances before uh, Felix and Festus and King Agrippa, right? Because all that time passed, right? But this, this is an indication, the fast is the Day of Atonement, right? Which would fall somewhere um, in the latter part of September or in October, depending on how you reckon um, the Jewish calendar, which was a lunar calendar. Um, so the usual sailing season, i do a little work on this, was from Pentecost, May, June, to Tabernacles, five days after the fast. All right, so we're at the end of the sailing season. Uh, the Romans in particular, with their uh, Julian calendar, well, no, this is before the Julian calendar, um, but they have a different calendar, um, but one that actually better or works with our calendar. Um, although uh, it's offset by a few days. Now I think it's offset by like months, actually, the Julian calendar. Um, they, they would consider sailing after September 15th doubtful, and then after November 11th on the Mediterranean would be suicidal. Right? So we don't sail in winter. Right? So this, again, this is probably um, sometime um, in the latter part of September and October, giving them only maybe a month at the lead, at the most to get to Rome. Um, so this is pretty nuts. Of course, Paul warns them of mu as much. Um, he sees the signs of the winds being against them and having to continue uh, to shelter, right? And that there will, but then he also prophesies here that they will, there will be much uh, disaster, a loss of cargo, ship, and even lives. Does the centurion listen, though? Remember, he has this good relationship with Julius. But does he listen? No. Listens to the helmsman and the owner of the ship, the businessman, <laughs> and the one who, for whom the, uh, uh, which is the one whom the helmsman is responsible to answer to, right? The businessman. All right. So the majority then decides to set sail um, for Phoenix on Crete, right? And then shelter there through the winter storms. Of course, uh, Phoenix is interesting. I mean, this is extra biblical, but you know the story of the Phoenix, right? Yeah, it's a unique bird that lived for five or six centuries in the Arabian desert after this time burning itself on a funeral pyre. Right? It's a famous legend of, uh, really, the rising of ashes to new life. Right? So it's a resurrection story. The Phoenix would become a symbol of the resurrection, even for Christians. We co-opt that. Um, you notably, you can see um, the role of the phoenix in um, Harry Potter, right? And with uh, Harry Potter's resurrection. All right. So, uh, meditation on the text. The narrative of Paul is intended to point us to Jesus, not to just simply the heroics of Paul, as we said before our devotion today. Like the disciples in the boat, Paul can rely only on the ruler of the wind and sea who has placed him in the boat of the church. 
The reference to the fast of the Day of Atonement intentionally places this journey in the context of the atoning work of Christ, who entered the Holy of Holies with his blood to sprinkle upon the mercy seat and then upon us in holy baptism. Even though death lies ahead, the reference to the phoenix reminds us of Paul's constant preaching throughout this section about the resurrection of the body. We've seen that before uh, Felix and before Festus and before Agrippa and even before the Jews and the Jews of Asia. The men of this world do not listen to Paul's warnings even as they still fail to heed the warning of the impending judgment on the last day. Today, there are many who preach of praying hard enough or believing enough so that God will reward you. But Paul puts no trust in his own actions, for only the one who died and rose again can rescue him from death. All right. There ends the reading. All right. I'm not quite sure what's been going on with our connection today. Uh, I had it yesterday, too. We've got people back on campus, so that will make it interesting and challenging once the school year starts, will it not? Uh, So it is. Good. Let's confess our uh, catechism for this week, doctrine, right? Um, The Lord's Prayer, the first petition. Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, uh, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. We pray. Heavenly Father, you hallow your name among us when your word is taught in its truth and purity and when we, as your dear children, also lead holy lives according to it. We give thanks to you for the gift of your word for our pastors, parents, and others who teach it, and for the holy lives of all your faithful Christians who live according to it. Forgive us for the many ways in which we profane your holy name among us by failing to teach your word in its truth and purity, to pray for our pastors and teachers, or to lead holy lives. Protect us from false doctrine and evil living. Help us or help all who are called to teach and preach your word to do so with faithfulness, and grant us to receive your word rightly, that our lives may be made holy by it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Wednesday, we pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents, and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. Pray for parents who must rear their children alone. We pray for our communities and neighborhoods. We pray in Thanksgiving today with Dawn, who celebrates her birthday. Uh, we pray also with all our for all of our households of the week, especially um, the household of Jason, Kevin and Kim, Kyle, Tanya, Jim and Mardell, and Walt and Ruth. Pray in Thanksgiving for the marriage of Tyler and Elizabeth. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, and Ken, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Compassion International. We pray an intercession for a preservation and increase of hope amongst us, as well for our sister congregations. We pray for those who are grieving, especially Jim, and his brother, at the death of his brother Roy. 
For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect for this week. O gracious God, your servant and apostle James was the first among the twelve to suffer martyrdom for the name of Jesus Christ. Pour out upon the leaders of your church that spirit of self-denying service, that they may forsake all false and passing allurements and follow Christ alone, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today is a day um, for both the Church of the Reformation in Germany, but also uh, the Church of the Reformation in England, um, that we recognize actually church musicians uh, in our commemoration. In particular today, uh, according to the Lutheran service book, is a commemoration for uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Yes, Cantor. So a little meditation on that here. Johann Sebastian Bach, 1685 to 1750, is acknowledged as one of the most famous and gifted composers in the Western world. I would say the most famous and gifted. <laughs> Orphaned at age 10, Bach was mostly self-taught in music. His professional life as conductor, performer, composer, teacher, and organ consultant began at age 19 in the town of Arnstadt and ended in Leipzig, where for the last 27 years of his life, he was responsible for all the music in the city's four Lutheran churches. In addition to being a superb, superb keyboard artist, the genius and bulk of Bach's vocal and instrumental compositions remain overwhelming. A devout and devoted Lutheran, he is especially honored in Christendom for his lifelong insistence that his music was written primarily for the liturgical life of the church to glorify God and edify his people. Uh, it's worth noting the uh, Bach Collegium Japan um, is uh, directed by, I forget his first name, Suzuki. This is his last name. And uh, an interesting story is that uh, he started studying Bach for performance and found, actually, as a consequence, uh, the predominance of the gospel and has come to believe the gospel through um, his study of Bach's music in order to perform it. There's many more examples. Um, here's a meditation from Luther on the role of music in the church. Before we sing today, right? I would certainly like to praise music with all my heart as the excellent gift of God, which it is, and to commend it to everyone. Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. She is a mistress and governess, governess of those human emotions to pass over the animals, which as masters govern men or more often overwhelm them. No greater commendation can, than this can be found, at least not by us. For whether you wish to comfort the sad, to terrify the happy, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate, and who could number all these masters of the human heart, namely the emotions, inclinations, and affections that impel men to evil or good, what more effective means than music could you find? The Holy Ghost himself honors her as an instrument for his proper work when in his holy scriptures he asserts that through her his gifts were instilled in the prophets, namely the inclination to all virtues, as can be seen in Elisha, 2 Kings 3. On the other hand, she serves to cast out Satan, the instigator of all sins, as is shown in Saul, the king of Israel, 1 Samuel 16. Thus, it was not without reason that the fathers and prophets wanted nothing else to be associated as closely with the word of God as music. 
Therefore, we have so many hymns and psalms where message and music join to move the listener's soul, while in other living beings and sounding bodies, music remains a language without words. After all, the gift of language combined with the gift of song was only given to man to let, let him know that he should praise God with both word and music, namely, by proclaiming the word of God through music and by providing sweet melodies with words. Let us pray. Almighty God, beautiful in majesty and majestic in holiness, you have taught us in Holy Scripture to sing your praises and have given to your servant, Johann Sebastian Bach, grace to show forth your glory in his music. Continue to grant this gift of inspiration to all your servants who write and make music for your people, that with joy we we on earth may glimpse your beauty and at length know the inexhaustible riches of your new creation in Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Speaking of music, let's sing our hymn for today, or rather for this week. Oh. 
evermore with hearts both pure and lovely and may your word that light divine shine on in splendor holy that we repentant show good. That concludes our congregation of prayer for today, July 8th, or 28th, excuse me, 2021. It's good to have you with us. Um, be sure to join us again tomorrow, 9 a.m. for congregation of prayer. We continue to uh, work our way through the book of Acts and the book of Romans. This week, next week, we move on to uh, the gospel according to St. Mark and uh, the prophet Jeremiah, although I don't know how far we'll get, eh, not too far, in either uh, before the new school year uh, begins. All right. So let's see. Anything else going on? Oh, yeah. Sign up for VBS, uh, either as a volunteer or helper, um, or your children, especially, um, and do that. All right. So, Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you again tomorrow.